0: Become a writer from someplace other than Los Angeles and New York, I still think that's really difficult. Welcome to Entertainment Business Wisdom with your host, Kaya Alexander.
1: Hi, and welcome. I am Kaya Alexander, host of the podcast Entertainment Business Wisdom. And here today in the house with us recording live in front of my students of the Entertainment Business School is Pamela Ribbon, my identical twin. (laughs) (laughs) Pamela Ribbon is an Academy Award nominated writer and performer for animation. Moana, Ralph Breaks the Internet comic books slam my boyfriend is a bear best selling novels why girls are weird and a memoir npr called brain-breakingly funny the latter of which she turned into the short animated film my year of dicks which was nominated in this past year's oscars Hooray! she is a flagship contributor to television without pity and is known as a pioneer in the blogging world with hammy.com where she launched such viral essays as how i might have just become the newest urban legend, and Barbie fucks it up again. (laughs) Hooray, Pam, welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy that you're with us. Thanks for making the time. Absolutely. It's nice to be in a room with so many writers. We
0: normally are so
1: alone. (laughs) We're (laughs) normally so. I'm trying to change that. (laughs) My whole mission, you just hit on it. I like to tell them they got to find their wolf pack, and lone wolfing it is really hard in this industry.
0: Yeah, you can talk yourself right out of it.
1: You can talk yourself right out of it. All right. Well, what were you like in the fourth grade, Pam? <laughs> in the
0: fourth grade, I moved a lot, so I I went to, to I think I went to two fourth grades. So I was probably two versions of me because I would figure out kind of what's going on in the new school, and while I was a shy, teacher's pet kind of person, I also would tend to gravitate toward whoever else was the shyest or the quietest. And often that was the funny kid. And so that would be that would be my MO is like hanging out with someone who could tell me jokes or I could crack up. Because if I could crack up the funny kid, then I knew I had a friend.
1: Oh, I love that. It's wild how the funny kids sometimes end up being loners in school.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes it's because you're not you're sort of a and also to any click. At least that's what I found in a lot of my groups of friends they may be closer and hang out a lot and not always assume that I'm going to be a part of that group. And I guess it's because I bounce around groups, but also sometimes you're like, I guess I don't have a group.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, were you a floater? So you were like, you could drop in with any group of friends?
0: I can. Yes. And I don't think anybody would necessarily claim me. I have a long time group of friends out here that we call uh, super brunch because we started brunching uh, when we first met. But even they have all their own like smaller group. You'll hear them say things like my best friend. And then you're just like, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, I like that. Um, yeah. And each group you bounce in and you have your fun with them and then you bounce out, which really helps in this career because writing is finding small groups, making a found family, having a blast and then moving on and hope that you get to hang out again and another, and another job later.
1: Oh, I love that. I love the found family turn too. I'm bi and queer. And so I go to gay brunch Uh and like the found family element of my life has just been like so close to my heart, especially creatively, you get with people you can trust and actually share your work with.
0: Yeah. Yes. And you can tell like often when I'm writing something, I'll start with who am I Who am I writing this for? How would I make this person feel? Or how do I want this person to feel? And so having different groups and doing different things, you know, I played roller derby for a long time. I had weird jobs. I, um, you know, I have an acting degree. I've done animation and television and all these different groups. So I can think, oh, okay, this is, I want my, I want to make my sister laugh on this one. She's a very different uh, Mm -hmm. sense of humor than most (laughs)
1: so you know you you can think that way an example of sister's sense of humor
0: well she's like she's gonna I don't even want to nothing's gonna come out right because you're talking about your sister (laughs) (laughs) but she's more into you know stuff that I worked on a comedy central variety show and she was exactly the demographic when I was not good at this job I was not good at this job at all I would tell jokes pitch jokes and they were like this isn't the daily show, man. Like, stop it. Uh, And, you know, so then I just thought like what would crack her up? And it was probably something that made me die a little inside, but it would make her laugh. And that was the (laughs) job. And um, that's what I, so that's, that's, what's great about having different groups too.
1: When you write, do you usually think of like one person when you say, I want to make this person laugh? Or are you thinking about a whole group of people with an audience in mind?
0: Well, it kind of depends on what you're writing because you can be a book is going to be personal. A book someone's holding in some way and taking with them and and, and taking in all by themselves, usually. Um, but a Disney movie is every single person in the whole wide world. So you can't just think of one person. What well, who you can think of in that case is your inner child, because that is the thing that everybody comes to animation with. That's that's who's going to see the movie on those on those great ones where you're just like you know where you get the like oh I'm crying about a
1: rabbit you know
0: because <laughs> they're ta- they're talking to you in your most v- uh, vulnerable place
1: I love that I just thought of Watership Down when you said crying about a rabbit yeah and I was talking about Zootopia so there's just so many ways <laughs> there's so many rabbits to cry about in animation. <laughs> you can't see my office but I have bugs bunny everywhere speaking I was just about, about. to say
0: A very different sense of humor. A
1: very different sense of humor. He was like my uh, go-to. I think I identified with Bugs as a kid. It was like, that was the place I could escape to was his universe and it was a happy place to go. Did you like Bugs?
0: This is interesting because I don't want to insult you, but I find him to be an asshole. So did you like Bugs? Because you have that trickster within you and he was kind of being the person that you would want to be?
1: Oh, I definitely wanted to be bugs Bunny because I felt like everything hurt me, and I never had a comeback. and I was bullied. and, you know, it was always just kind of on the backside of every joke. And he uh-huh. always great comeback. and um, you know, and he was fun. And uh, I love how he dressed in drag and like all the elements of his playfulness where like nothing got to him. And I think I was inside dying to be that person like who nothing would get to. I have never accomplished that, but.
0: I don't know. You're doing pretty well right now. And that is isn't that is a really great way to think of Bugs as a role model of just like that's that's who he is and unapologetically so. I think I always feel like whoever bugs
1: unabashed, is- unapologetic, <laughs> shameless. Yeah. Yes. I think I was riddled with shame. I was like, "Please save me."
0: <laughs> yeah. That's awesome.
1: So, how I I want to like find out how you went from your acting degree to where you are now. Did you have like a big break or was it more gradual sequential for you? T- tell us a little bit about your background.
0: Well, you kind of don't know you had your big break until you're able to look back and go, oh, that one, that one really changed some things. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was doing things like um, acting and doing sketch and improv comedy and writing on the internet. And I I just was trying to find all the, all the ways where I could get paid to do what I want to do so that I didn't have to do anything I didn't want to do while doing what I wanted to do. Um, and so I worked at IBM and uh, software companies in Austin, out of while well, I was still in college, but out, out of college, um, because they were jobs with 401ks and all the things that would make my parents less concerned about me, while I was staying up all night um, doing shows six six times a week and also recapping television without I mean, television for the website. It was just this early internet user with a, the smallest, the biggest, smallest audience you could have. And that was me creating my voice. And, you know, I couldn't know at that time, but going to South by Southwest Interactive its first year and saying, I want, I want to do this. How do I make money doing this? I already do this. How do I make money doing this? Mm. And then figuring that out and becoming someone who got paid $1,500 a month, I think is what I got paid for writing pammy.com. I maxed out, but that was Incredible! That's incredible. Incredible! Yeah, they cu- they changed how much you could make at a certain point during that, and I was like, mm, <laughs> I see what's going on. I have to leave, but it let me know that was a break. That was a break to know. Oh, people, I'm reaching people, and they're clicking and clicking, and I c- I could figure out how to use a, a forum, h- how to do ads. Like you know, I, I don't know. I-, I guess I've always tried to figure out a way to do it all myself, which my year of dicks has that feeling and is like it's all our friends and it's everybody we wanted to work together like it's it's videos from high school and writing from high school and my cousins in it my kids oh. in it we're just like putting it all together and i think i feel the most confident about stuff that often people say i'd be too afraid to do that or aren't you so brave for doing that and it it doesn't feel brave to me it feels like the only way i know it's going to work is if it has it's come a hundred percent from, well, no, I know that happened because I feel that. I know this is true because I still feel it. And even if I'm looking at it from the other side, from the act three, um, which you need before you make any of these, by the way, like the, the hardest part is getting halfway through something going, oh, this part of my life isn't over yet. So I've written myself into my own problem that I need therapy about. And that's <laughs> good on its own, but you're not going to get to to the final page. This was, I know, a question about how did I make a big break? But I think what I'm trying to say is there were just these moments where I'd worked on something for someone else or with someone else or for something else. But the moments that I got to come back and make something from my personal experience or from people I love, those are the ones that would always push me into the next place. Um, And so those are breaks. But I feel like the break, the big break was getting to do the thing that was so personal that you normally get to do that people don't normally ever see. That feels like a big break to me. But I know what comes after the success of that is what's normally considered <laughs> a big
1: break. Well, do you mean like an inner breakthrough about working that close to the bone and, and bringing that forward in your creativity?
0: No, I mean the freedom to get to, to do something so personal. Okay. Um, you know, normally you you spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to find yourself in a story so that you know it'll sound authentic because you're writing for, you know, rabbits, right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> how are you that rabbit or how is that rabbit your your nephew or something, you know, someone where you're like, I know this rabbit and I want to talk to, through and to and for this rabbit. That's, I think, harder than, this is a rabbit named Pam, <laughs> <laughs> she moved around a lot and here's what it's like it's just I don't, for me I have those those feelings are at the surface all the time um I didn't really shove a lot of stuff down and for a long time that was probably um a, a problem that I had of just being so here I am out here because I didn't know how to um adjust the tap or um recognize what was coming at me in, in all its different shades. You know, so
1: awesome. you were turned inside out. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. And I mean, work is like that too. You'll you'll get in a room and think it's this is it. This is my big break. And then the minute you sit down, you're like, I'm gonna um not do well in here and I'm gonna <laughs> want to leave. They don't want me here. So we're all just gonna see how long. And in those moments, I would just think, okay, what what will I get out of this? What do I want to have? finished or done or learned or who who should i meet by the end of this so that i i get to jump like a like it's a springboard even if it wasn't something i want to like live in or find some part of me you can find a new skill or you're like and then i got to sit with an editor all the time or this is when i learned um this is when i wrote a spec script that i would not have been inspired by if i hadn't been so exhausted and trapped in a room waiting on notes for 3 hours you know, I, I find I procrastinate with work and um, I do best when I have more than one project going at a time because I do need to go, okay, this has that energy and, and this has this part of me, but if you put it all in one thing, uh, I can sometimes, it, it just, it gets a little hectic for me. It gets a little, my stuff gets too frantic.
1: So you have a few work in progress going at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm, always, and I think that comes from the freelance life.
1: Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more about your creative process.
0: well, um, it's all sort of scribbles and looks, you know, just like messy here and there and notebooks and more than one notebook and postcards <laughs> or, or note cards and stuff until um until it's due. And then I, I have just enough time to put it all in a document and then read it again. That's my current process, but that's honed from, you know, a lot of years of filling notebooks and typing what I wrote so that I'm editing while I'm typing, which comes from recapping. And also I used to do um, anime dubs, the English dub and have to write like the, um, the line reading for the actor who I never meet counting the mouth flaps. And so you, you have this finished piece of animation that you need to fit an actor to what it's saying to sort of be what it was in japanese unless it doesn't translate joke wise
1: oh that's fascinating my son watches so much anime and i have sat there and wondered this exact thing like who is it who's deciding i know uh, the translation and also how it matches that's so interesting
0: well back when i was doing it it would get translated the raw translation would come to me i would count mouth flaps and write them one two three one uh one two three one uh you know then something like sprightly. Uh, good morning, who wants tea? And that would take, and it's in a grid and it would take um, hours for a 20 minute anime. I broke many a VCR in my, in my early writing careers, (laughs) but having to always look back at yourself and then, oh, and then I was in some, which is how I got that writing job. I was a character in, in an anime. And because I was doing so much improv at the time, if I knew that this wasn't going to match the mouth flap, I would sort of rewrite it at at the time. And they're like, oh, you're pretty good at this. Do you want to write some? so acting got me into acting got me into writing all the time because if I wanted the best way to get myself performing was to just write it for myself and not wait to be cast
1: are you still acting now
0: I mean every day right now we're doing it <laughs> like I'm performing this is a live performance and I've you know that's why you were like I know how to do this you don't have to hit record and I was like I'm just saying like you know I know i mean all the ways it could go wrong um <laughs> you your pitching, pitching is performance for sure. Um, there's and also you know we do scratch. I'm in my Ear of dicks. I'm a couple of the voices and I'm also the face. Like we filmed ourselves um, for the artists to have reference footage, and sometimes that's my actual face being um, animated over. So I'm never very far from a, a performance aspect. Would I want to do a film or a stage play or be in Saturday Night Live right now? Theoretically, but I bet I would miss the the freedom i have as a writer to jump in and out of performance spaces and and continue to create my own space and write what i want to say because sometimes when you you know i went to an acting class just because i missed it oh because i'd done so much um voiceover work for ralph and that was a lot of how we created the, the script was trying out different lines on the fly and doing my best i had messed up my voice and was unable to like act from neck down because you stay so still so I was like I'm gonna take an acting class and get back into my body and remember what it's like to be a whole performer and I have to read these scripts and it, it killed me like the writer in me who was used to just going oh, that's not working let me try this with my own lines couldn't do it for performance and it would just you could my my writer brain would not stop and I'm sure I acted a, like Slightly away from the pieces, because of that, because my brain wouldn't stop working. I don't know what you asked for me to get to that, but <laughs> there you go
1: we're We're wandering through the fields of creative, we are. imagination, <laughs> yes. yes, and your works in progress. so let me let me ask it this way. What are you the most passionate about right now?
0: well, we're we're trying to turn my dicks into a TV series that's very exciting. I mean, I'm passionate about all the things I'm working on or it I wouldn't be working, right? So, you know, I've been fortunate over the past year we've toured a lot with Dixon. that got me meeting some people who were like I think you'd be great to come in on this thing that needs some help or would could use your advice or whatever. So, I've there are a lot of the things that I'm working on currently, I came in later in the process and we're we're kind of on the way to being done with where I am helping on some of them. Um and then others you know i've taken some big swings post oscars of just like here's a dream let's see if that happens yeah um but i kind of keep those like they're over there so that you don't you know start making plans i try not to put expectations into hope anymore that is what i learned from the pandemic hope 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 is a nice thought but don't don't tie expectations to it cuz that is when you will get disappointed cuz you've imagined something
1: yeah, it's not when you're not in the moment and you get too excited or far ahead of it, you just never know where that's going to go. I've had to train myself to do that, too, even as a novelist, like mm-hmm. you okay, be, be with this, be with this character, be with this rewrite, be with this moment. And then you have to let it go. I don't know yeah. what's gonna happen, you know, beyond that. Uh, it's important.
0: Uh, that is actually the only way to get to the end of a draft for me is to go, okay, I can't just be imagining the day it's over. Sometimes you imagine the day it's over and know like I'll get a bath or I'll I'll buy that book or whatever it is. You can have that little hope that you can give to yourself and, well, and know you're going to get there. Yes. And, and hope for that feeling. Why do we run marathons? And I've only done it once, but I did it to have done it so that I did it. And we don't ever want to do that again, but I'll yeah. run a 5K to get like tiny
1: versions of that feeling again. There's parts of it you like. Um I love a sense of completion. I, I think I fantasize about it, like getting to oh, the completion. Cause I always have a few like you works in progress going. And yeah, the frustration of that and pressure of that that I put myself under for some reason can like mount up. Oh, the completion when I get to completion. But then there's almost no there there. Like, oh, I get to go to Palm Springs for a couple of days. I have completion. What what the fuck am I doing now? <laughs> what okay, what's I, next? You know, I get back.
0: That sounds nice. I don't have that feeling because <laughs> <laughs> what happens to me? There's always a moment where someone will call. It's about a week or two, every three or four months, where I'll go. It's I'm just I'm fine. It's just I'm, I have a few things that are all due at the same time, and I what I'm not doing is able to talk and anything other than and no, I I'm worthless to the real life. I just walk from coffee pot to desk to coffee shop, maybe maybe, but I don't really. I've I've lost all my writing nooks because of the pandemic, and now I'm I've got a. It doesn't matter. This is me, and this is what it sounds like. It's me thinking about what I need to do while I'm really thinking about what I'm doing. And then when I get to the other side of that, that is always when whatever has been put off is there. So inevitably on a break, I'm prepping for what happens as soon as break is over, which is I'm I'm in a meeting talking about what I think about the thing that I should have been reading that I hadn't read because I had four things that were due that week. (laughs) So two days in Palm Springs, not knowing what's next sounds wonderful.
1: (laughs) It's that's the one gift I know that I can give myself because I only, have, Gary, Gary Shandling always used to say, I have fifth gear and I have coma and I <laughs> work that way too. Like, what is third gear? All I know is if I'm in something like third gear, I just feel guilty. I'm like, I'm not, what is this? You know? So yeah, it's one or the other.
0: Ah, uh, Third gear is, is when I'm in shape. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> i'm not in shape on those other two gears i have script hips it's a mess but third gear i have like a routine i have i make my own smoothies my dog is happy because she's walked all the time I, i'm up on podcasts i've seen the shows you're talking about third gear is great it's so rare but when i'm there i feel i feel like i maybe i'm vegan like third gear, will go full california all the time nothing but avocados on my face in my stomach
1: Third gear juice cleanse.
0: Oh, yes. A third gear juice cleanse, like a nice third gear hot yoga. That's (laughs) when you're like, maybe I will. Like I sign up for things that I can't do, like, you know, silent retreats where people are like, you can't know, you can't go to that. (laughs) have a (laughs) child, stay. you have things to do. You actually have to be in fourth gear at this point. I'm sorry, third gear is over. (laughs) But third gear is when you get good ideas because you spend a lot of time in kind of yoga meditation mode. Your, your your brain stops freaking out about a deadline and you maybe go on a road trip or you take that long shower or you're spa I haven't been to a spa since the pandemic but like a spa and that is when you're like mm. it, or you are reading a thing you wouldn't normally read and that that gives you the um, oh I I think I want to make a science
1: movie
0: um I love third gear
1: Oh, I love that. You've inspired me, but I don't know that I'll ever get a chance to experience it. <laughs> this small <laughs> mom with a startup who like, oh all right, write screenplays in her spare time. I'm like, yeah, I have no spare time. Yeah. Thank you so you far- don't have that. I'm a, I'm a surfer and that's like that's my lifesaver because you cannot bring a cell phone with you on your surfboard like i have to leave it in the car and uh just from the moment my feet hit the sand and the smell of the water hits my nose and i've a surfboard under my arm and i'm paddling out it's like yeah this is actual brain vacation. That's the only place where it turns off and I get to do something else. And even if I just get out there and sit on my surfboard and wait for the sets to come in and Bob up and down, and there's that quiet and you know, that that's just it for me.
0: Mm. That was roller derby. It was so hard. that You you can't think about anything. You can't have a cell phone. You shouldn't, it's going to break, but you, you can't think of anything else. It's so hard. There's so much going on at once. Even if you're not, in a scrimmage and you're just training like you are it is it is offense and defense at the same time so you are playing both sides of the sport you are training harder than you can imagine you're a comedy writer next to a retired olympic figure skater and you are on the same team and she is counting on you (laughs) so yeah yeah she doesn't know your name your real name she doesn't know what you do for a living you hope she doesn't learn you're a comedy writer (laughs) And you hope that she's just like, you, I need you to get over here. And then you do. And you do whatever you need to do to knock someone down and score your point. And you can win on a Tuesday. That's a really cool thing. Oh my you don't goodness. normally get to win on any day.
1: <laughs> i kind of love that i get a little bit of that from surfing too like have a couple great waves right. come in, and there's just this sense of like yeah i killed it out there it helps me with pitch meetings and stuff too because i come in i'm like hey i face some really frightening stuff out there today and you know yep. an exec in front of me is uh, not gonna eat me alive or like break I, my- yeah
0: absolutely that's what when people are like how wh- how was it after the oscars i was like so much easier than the day after about like i don't know <laughs> Any visible bruises? I don't have to get a hematoma ultrasounded. <laughs> like, it's just, I can, I can bend. Like that's not, that's new. My feet hurt, but that, that was how it always was anyway. So yeah. And this time I saw Lady Gaga.
1: It's <laughs> um, <laughs> different. Tell, tell us more about your Oscar experience. I'd love to hear.
0: Oh, it was the, it was the pageant at the end of a long, fun homecoming court. So all the, the parties and the, the screenings and getting to meet people and touring and festivals all up until the Oscars was joyous and fun. And, um, I hadn't really gotten to go out with something so personal before really, you know, I've, I've been behind big giant conglomerate films. So if I'm even invited, that's, you know, my job is really to just pedestal the people that are at the front, you know, that they're supposed to be that where the money is, you know, and, this was this was such a scrappy, hey, we did this. We did this on our own, and we um were up here and and being taken seriously as we should. But it's we did we made something that normally would not get to go all the way to the Oscars in any way. So um it's it does show that people who watch animation and love animation are growing and changing their concept of what makes something animated, meaning, including, is rotoscope and which i had no idea was so controversial until i was in this world where because to me this has always been a tool to a cinematic tool to show emotion i think that's what animation does best is uh, give you a pure emotion in a in a um interior way um but the actual Oscars, you know, it's, it was over very quickly <laughs> and we didn't win. It was so much fun until it wasn't that our, our, our dance was awesome right oh. in front of you. There's David Byrne. Like it does feel like a little dreamy where you're like, that's David, like it's all so fast. And that was Rihanna. And then, uh, and then it was over and we didn't win. So that was it. No after parties for us. We went home. I was, I was in bed by 1230 and, uh, and I had done it. I had left it all on the floor. I really felt it was over which took the the course of the evening to feel like that's it we just ran that race it is over and it was just one ride in this amusement park and it was a great ride um and you it's a very long line you do not get to go every like you don't get to ride it more than once per <laughs> trip um but it was yeah I think we we rode with our arms up to continue that metaphor the whole time and um I really and I really enjoyed how how we got to do it uh, yeah and then nobody called for like a day which is kind and I stayed on the couch and I watched Don't Worry Darling and I had a wonderful time all by myself. I had been waiting. That was my end of the I was like I'm gonna watch Don't Worry Darling the day after, regardless. Um and no regrets. And and then I was back in, you know, um partially because we're we're trying to do the show, but also because there was a bunch of stuff that I that I had waiting for me because that's another benefit of not putting everything in one basket
1: yes i hear that i hear that it's always back to work uh thank you so much for that I want to make sure I leave plenty of time for questions for the students, but uh, I would be remiss not to ask you about Moana, which is one of my favorite movies. And it's my go-to movie whenever I'm feeling like depressed or not connected to myself. That's the one that I go to. My son will walk in who's 11. He'll go, oh my God, you're watching Moana again. (laughs) and he's embarrassed. (laughs) That's very sweet. Of course, he'll sit down with me and, you know, we'll sing the songs together. So I'd love to hear um, your experience with that film.
0: Well, you know, that is another one where you you really don't know what it's gonna do until it's over. You know, when we when I got on um, Moana, um, it was a few months before Frozen came out. So Disney hadn't had that. It was, you know, well, they had Wreck It Ralph was what had come out like a couple of months before I, I I got there. So it was doing well, but it was not it was still always in this like it's not Pixar. People thought Wreck It Ralph was a Pixar film. It was in this changing place and then Frozen really hit, and it was it was a fun time to be there to watch the whole world learn songs that you'd been hearing. Like I'd heard "Let It Go" a good six months oh. before everyone else sang, sang it incessantly. So it was a weird extension and uh, quite an uh, immediate education into how far reaching the responsibility that you that comes with being someone tasked to help create this story. And these characters that will live forever. And um, you know, we we spent time in Polynesia more than once to make sure that this culture was for, you know, front and center, and, and it was their stories. Um, you know, we had we had people from Polynesia who were advisors, cultural advisors. and um, I got to do improv with a bunch of uh, young students. Talking about their dreams. Um, Moana, when I was working on it, was young, a little younger. So I, I got to, we got to all talk to a lot of younger girls and ask, you know, ask what their dreams would be. And mm-hmm. what was interesting is, um they all talked, a lot of them talked about being pilots or <clears throat> some form of a missionary because they wanted to leave the island, but they never wanted to not come home. And that um that became something that was just at the core of, of Moana and her family and, 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 and her Island and why you navigate that you're not a navigator until you've come home to talk about what you saw and show the way you're just a, you're just someone at sea until then. Um. So this goosebumpy feeling I have, while I talk to you about yes, is I
1: some,
0: it, 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 there are just moments where that happened a lot through the process while it was also Really truly, one of the hardest jobs I've ever had um you know there there are hundreds of people that made Moana there were there was more than one writer who gave their heart and soul and the storyboard artists and the directors and the producers and the music It's just so many people who believed in Moana and we were not sharing her with them It wasn't like everybody was anxiously anticipating in fact, it was really a, there was such a concern that it would be done in inappropriately or incorrectly, that it felt um, scary a lot of time. There was' an, a tremendous amount of pressure, wow. So what's nice about the way that she lives now and what shows that I mean, it shows the care that went into it. But what's nice about the way she lives now is she um she just seems to exist, and everybody has a piece of her and 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 uses Moana for. Like you're saying that touchstone, obviously, because you're you're one with the water, you know, this feeling and you, you know, this feeling, even though you've never been in the waters of Samoa, but you definitely are like, I know what it feels like to always hear the ocean wherever I am. And that that is the sound of home. And these were things that we would have only been able to pick up by getting to be there and write with them and do table reads there and make sure that we weren't alone in our places. That became part of my process now all the time. I can't you can't and maybe why I feel the most comfortable when I'm writing about myself because I know how to immerse myself in reality, and I have the access. I don't always have the access to live in well I've never had the access to live in France, but so if I w- was told I have to do something in, that's set in Paris, I would have to figure out how to get there live there yeah it's it's critical, at least in in my work because it is. No I think just in writing, it's critical because it's how it makes it you find yourself in someone else's world, then you know where it's relatable and where it's universal. And you you're not speaking on behalf of them or for them. You're amplifying their point of view. You like- get out of the way. Like no one should know, oh, that was Pam, you know, although my kid will say, i'm baby moana <laughs> the animators filmed her when she was very little picking up things um as reference for moana meets the ocean uh so she but when she was really little and she'd tell people i'm baby moana everybody's like sure kid we all are but now she's
1: older <laughs> take her more seriously <laughs> oh that's so cute one of the things I love so much about that movie uh, that I felt like, it, and I, ho- I hope it's a paradigm shift that really ripples, was uh, you know we're all raised on so many films wherein we kill the monster, and in this movie mm-hmm. you heal the monster, and I think that was like w- what was the waterworks for me about this film was this profound healing that happened that you know was so such it was so deep. And like such a relief to be like, oh, we don't just have to pull out swords all the time and, you know, kill the monster and go home. It was like, no, this is what's going to heal us. So thank you for whatever elements of that you were part of and brought to the world because I think that that's huge. And I wish that we could see more of it on screen. It's powerful.
0: Yes, I think we're, I think we're leaning that way more and more, I think in, in, in material. As we actually, I think as we talk more about mental health, we are We are less likely to say, "You got to destroy that thing that's in front of you. Get rid of it. And more like, why why don't you ask why? Yeah, or or ask, you know, or ask for help
1: you're I think you're an empiricist. It sounds like with your immersion to move into yourself, inhabit yourself, or need to go somewhere, to inhabit that space in order to bring it out. Any further thoughts on that?
0: Well, I'm writing that word down to look it up. I'm learning a word.
1: (laughs) What does that mean? I learned it. Does that mean I
0: get an empire? Do I have an empire somewhere?
1: (laughs) I learned it from Carl Jung. Um, So empirical is like you have a direct experience of something to know what it is. Um, if you're an empiricist, that is your it's a core value, really. I, I know that I am too. Like I for me to be able to write about the sea as a surfer, I have to go surf that morning to go write the blog post, like the immersion, the empirical relationship to touch and feel and inhabit and be connected to, and then to be able to sort of own that um to, to bring it out in your creativity. That's how I experience that work.
0: I think, yeah, and I think it's how I get in touch with the the way. It, feels like even now I'm you know I'm i I'm holding things while I'm talking to you because it grounds me I hold things when I pitch because it keeps me right in front of someone and able to really pay attention um and so I don't yeah, I feel like I, I always think of it more as how do I know what I think if I don't see what I say and so I do like I never really wrote a journal I write letters like I need to, I need to process with someone to say yes that me too and 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 that is that is how I know that I've had the personal experience because I've shared it. I feel really uncomfortable with a secret or something only I know, unless I really have the knowledge of when that time of holding it in will be over. It feels like holding my breath.
1: I'm really blown away by your career and your attitude and your um authenticity. I appreciate you so much. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, this is the this is
0: this is why I do it to be able to talk to other people who do it and try to remind you that you're not, it feels so like I started, it, it feels so alone and you're not. And, and all the thoughts you wrestle with become the things you actually want to be writing about.
1: Mm, beautiful. Right. Thank you for being here.
0: Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Entertainment Business Wisdom. We invite you to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Please like, review, and share it with your friends and colleagues. Kaya Alexander can be reached on Twitter for your questions or comments at This Is Kaya. Get entertainment business career training, as well as a free special report, How to Pitch Anything in One Minute, at www.entertainmentbusinessleague.com.
1: Thank you.